I want to start back over in 3 John, verse 2. Need a little bit of a ring here. And I always appreciated this scripture because John being, in his own words, the one Jesus loved, <laughs> I believe had special revelation about the love of God, but also the very heart of God. And he says this in that letter, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Yes. See it with me. I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. So we see at the outset the connection between your life prospering is connected to your soul prospering. And I'll tell you this, a lot of people hear these things, but they often won't lift a little finger to move in the direction of soul prosperity so they can prosper. I pray that God puts a burning heart in your desire to do more than just get by, do more than just one day go to heaven, do more than just you know, go through the motions like so many Christians do. But it's entirely up to you. You and I have everything to say about how much we prosper in this life. And it hinges on a thing called soul prosperity. In fact, in Psalm 35, verse 27, the Bible says, Let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. Anybody here favor God's righteous cause? You're, okay. Yes. Yea, let them continually say, the Lord, Let the Lord be magnified, which hath pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Now look at this. We should be what? We should shout for, for joy, be glad. Because of his righteous cause, and then something we should say, and what this means in our language, it's something we should confess, it's something that should be on our lips. The Lord takes pleasure Amen. in our prosperity. Amen. It doesn't say, well, some wacko somewhere said that. No, it says, let my people who take what pleasure take, they enjoy, they are part of my cause. Let them have joy. Let them be full of joy. Let them speak continually. The Lord be magnified who takes pleasure. Say, he takes pleasure in my well-being. And that's what that word prosperity means. Don't think it's equity just to money. It's, it's about well-being in every area of life. Say that every area. He takes delight in the prosperity of his servant. And who here doesn't want to give God delight? Don't deny God the right to be full of joy for you, amen, and with you and because of you. In Proverbs 18, uh, 21, verse 13, 21, prosperity, the Bible says, is the reward of the righteous. Now, you've been taught what a righteous person is versus what a religious person would say is righteous. A religious person would say, you got it all figured out and you're perfect. That's not what a righteous person is. The Bible says if you've accepted Christ, you've been given the gift of righteousness. So in that context, how many here today are you qualify for being righteous based on the Word of God? Well, what does the Bible say? That prosperity is the reward of the righteous. If you are righteous, there's a reward coming. Some of it's temporal, some of it's eternal. Some of it's now, some of it's later. Amen? But it's all real. The caveat is that our well-being or prosperity hinges entirely on the prosperity of the soul. The prosperous soul is the foundation of life prosperity, and it includes a prosperous mind, a prosperous will, and prosperous emotions. Shout that out. My mind, my will, and my emotions. There is no biblical prosperity without the foundation of a prosperous soul. 
You can walk out of here today in a nation like ours and prosper yourself in terms of finances. But you cannot have total life prosperity. Kelly talked about piecemeal prosperity. You cannot have full life prosperity unless you have a prosperous soul. And the foundation of that we found out is first and foremost a relationship with Christ. If you want to develop and cultivate a prosperous soul that lends itself to a full prosperous life in terms of what God can do for you, it starts with a relationship with Jesus Christ. He's under no obligation whatsoever to do anything for somebody that rejects him. What they have in this life, the air they breathe, the water they drink, the job they have, that's all the grace of God. But when you slip into the kingdom of God by faith in Christ, it's a whole other level of God's blessing on your life. And from that foundation, we must be growing, say growing. We must be loving, say loving. And we must be giving. If we want to walk at that level of prosperity, we have to be growing in our faith. Not just coming to church once in a blue moon and singing a song and saying amen. Enjoying life outside of a passion for God. If you really want to see God's fullness in every area of your life, and I think it's message four, we'll talk to you about the very specific parts of prosperity. His, his scripture promises his people. You're going to have to get serious about your growth. You're going to have to get serious about loving people even when they're ugly. And you're going to have to get serious about giving your time, talent, and treasure. Stop holding back on the one you want to bless you. But be generous, amen, with your time, with your talent, with your treasure, and you set yourself up as a, as a foundation to be blessed. So you're born again, and you're growing, and you're loving, and you're giving, and then you turn your attention to, I need to have a prosperous mind so my soul would be prosperous. And we talked about this. And a prosperous mind is first one that is renewed, and then it is set. You use your imagination to see these things in your life come into pass. You use your, your use, you know, the faculties God gave you to see yourself living in God's best. You set your mind. You focus on things above, not just on this earth. And what happens is these things come up on you and overtake you if your mind is renewed. Say it renewed, renewed. and set and then guarded. guarded. Whose job is it to guard your mind? Pastor Art, no, it's not my job to guard your mind. It's your job to guard your mind and cast down things that contradict what you've been setting with your mind. And that's just the mind. I laugh when people say, well, you guys teach us this faith stuff, this easy believism, you know, prosper this and prosper that. If anyone actually thinks this is something that most people are doing, they're dead wrong. I lost a lot of them at born again. I lost others at growing. I lost a ton of Christians at the loving part. And I lost most of the others on the giving part. Do you think this is easy? No, you find out that you have to renew. You have to set. You have to guard your mind if you're going to walk the prosperous life. All of a sudden, it becomes, oh, I have something to do with this. I have a part to play. You absolutely do. It's not just God waving a magic wand and everything's great in your life. You have to have a foundation for this prosperous life, and it starts with a mind that is renewed, but then stop there. You also have to have emotions that are prospering. <laughs> and I'm telling you that this is the biggest problem the average Christian has. We are telling you by, by the Word of God and prophetically today that you need to have prosperity in your emotions. But most Christians have poverty in their emotions. 
me explain this to you. You've probably heard the terms emotional intelligence, emotional maturity. I'm throwing a third one in there, emotional prosperity. And let me explain the difference between these because it's, it's hopeful, you know, and, and it's helpful that you have this concept down so you can differentiate between what we talk about as emotional intelligence and the world is and, and corporate America talks about this, everybody talks about it. But there's one higher level than that. It's where your, your emotions are actually prospering. All righty then. Is that a ringtone? <laughs> Somebody needed to be reminded how to fight their battles. Raise your hand so we can pray for you. All right, wherever you are. Okay. <laughs> if you're new here and you think this church is really that crazy, they are. Yes, amen. Emotional intelligence is recognizing and understanding your emotions and the emotions of others. That's all that is. I recognize and understand my emotions. I recognize and understand your emotions. And a lot of people in the natural, they don't do this. They have no level of emotional intelligence and so many problems at work, so many problems at home because of that. But that's not the only thing you need to have. Then emotional maturity is taking ownership and responsibility for your emotions and emotional state. It's not just understanding and recognizing my emotions and your emotions. It's taking responsibility for my emotions. I don't say things like, you make me feel. That is an emotionally immature person. You're not capable of making me feel anything. And I'm not capable of making you feel anything. And it is a cop-out to live that way. Are you here today? Yes. You take ownership over it. Yeah, if you go outside the lines of what is acceptable responses in life and, and you throw something or you yell or you hit or whatever it is, I won't say cuss because I know y'all don't cuss. Cuss. And no cuss it up in here this church. Amen. Except nobody's around in the shower, right? Amen. In between workplaces in the home. No, you take responsibility. You don't transfer that onto somebody else. Say it with me. Emotional maturity. Taking responsibility for my emotions. If I do it right, it's on me. If I respond inappropriately, it's on everybody else. No, it's what? It's on me. Emotional prosperity is the ability to feel strongly, to identify and acknowledge my emotions, your emotions, to take responsibility for my emotions, but it's a step further. It's the ability to feel strongly without allowing myself to decide, direct, or dictate. In other words, I feel things, but it doesn't move me to action. It doesn't push me to do things, to say things, to operate in a way that I know is not godly. Emotions that are prospering are people that have fully functioning emotions. They're sympathetic. They're empathetic. They feel hurt. They feel pain. They feel sorrow. They feel regret. Are you here today? They feel frustration. They feel anger. Sometimes they're, they're filled with fear, but they do not move or decide or direct based on what they feel. That is a rare breed in the body of Christ. 
And if you don't believe it, you can follow people all the time who get offended, get uptight, get upset, and they pop off their mouth, they run away, they disappear, they hide, because they think it was an intellectual thing, but it wasn't. Now my point is, what good is it to have Christ? What good is it for you to be growing and loving and giving? What good is it you have a renewed mind, a set mind, have a mind that's guarded, and the first time somebody rubs you the wrong way, you go off half-cocked, in your emotions and shut everything down that God was getting ready to do. It wasn't because you weren't saved. It's not because you weren't growing. It's not because you weren't giving. It's not because you weren't necessarily loving in general. It's not because your mind hasn't been in the scripture. It's not because you haven't been to church. In that moment, you allowed what you felt to compromise everything God wanted to do in your life. And it's nobody's fault but yours or mine. Suddenly, Pastor, I'm having a revelation of why you said some folks wouldn't want to hear this. <laughs> well, you're already here now. Ushers, get the seatbelts. Pull out the crazy glue. We're going to fix this thing in this here church today. Amen. <laughs> We're walking out of here with prosperous emotions. But we ain't walking out. <laughs> it's fix this thing or beam us up Jesus. Amen. Because your best life is tied to you not just having emotional intelligence and emotional maturity, but you having emotions that are prospering. Amen. Amen. We can feel things as born-again, spirit-filled believers deeply without letting them run our lives. You've heard me say for a long time that God gave us our emotions to experience our lives, but not to run our lives. What God is doing in this message and in this teaching vein is giving us the revelation of why that is so critically important in your life. Why these things are so important and why they affect how well and what happens on this life, you know, in terms of God's blessing in your life, in terms of what you receive from Him, in terms of living a full, prosperous life. Don't think that... Uh, you perpetually handle things wrong and then look at God and say, it's your fault, you're holding out on me. You focus on being born again. Say born again. You focus on growing. Say growing. You focus on loving. Say loving. You focus on giving. Say giving. And you focus on renewing your mind. Setting your mind. Amen. Guarding your mind. And you focus on from now on cultivating emotions that are prosperous. Let's just take the emotional thing off the table altogether. Because what happens is, I know what the Word says, I know what it tells me to do, and all of a sudden I feel something, and at that moment the Lord that I yield to is my feeling. And your feelings are never ordained to be your Lord. Every time you do that, you push Jesus off the throne and stick your emotion on that, and you'll wonder why you have problems. Jesus is Lord, yeah, until you get upset. We can run along. <laughs> There's a lot of talk about having a spirituality that is emotionally healthy. It's the latest thing today. You know, are your people, you know, being spiritually abused? You know, are you expecting too much for them? Are you digging into their business? You know, and blah, 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 blah. That's the wrong headed approach. It's not, is my spirituality emotionally healthy? It's, it's my, are my emotions spiritually healthy? Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? You got to focus on spirituality as the key affecting my emotions 
rather than saying, is our spirituality somehow emotionally healthy? Why? Because the spirit man is perfect. Aren't you glad there's something perfect about you? <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say, I just found that out about you. I am so glad. Amen. That born again spirit is perfect. Left alone, no body, amen, no warfare in the soul. You would choose God every single time. But that's not the way it is. But I can tell you this, one day your body and your mind and your will and your emotion will line up perfectly with that born again spirit. And aren't you going to be something to behold? But until that time, it is the preaching and the teaching of the word. Inducing us to bring prosperity into our emotions so that we're functioning at the highest level possible in Him. Unlike intelligence or maturity, emotional prosperity deals with emotions that are submitted to God, sanctified by God, and glorified by God. Say it, emotions that are submitted, sanctified, and glorified by God. That's not possible. <laughs> yes, it is. All things are possible to him that believes. That's right. Anybody here ever with a raised hand ever went off on somebody? Ever? <laughs> right, raise your hand up high. I want to see who the heathen are. I want to see. <laughs> Aren't you glad there's forgiveness? What we didn't think at the time was what was happening as a consequence when we gave ourselves the liberty to do that. Believers with emotional intelligence may not have emotional maturity and vice versa, but believers with emotional prosperity have intelligence and maturity and the ability to feel deeply without reacting or acting in the wrong direction. Amen. Every dimension, listen carefully to this, every dimension of the human being is affected by the fall. Everyone. Not only were you dead spiritually, it affected your body. The fall affected your mind. The fall affected your will. The fall affected your emotions. Now listen carefully. Kelly alluded to it. He didn't just redeem part of me. He redeemed me, body, soul, and spirit. Amen. He redeemed your mind, your will, and your emotions. And you and I don't have to settle for having less than a redeemed set of emotions. And victory in that area. What do I mean? I mean, if you have been so run over and so beat up and so, you know, just you've been through it in life and your emotions are raw, God's able to heal those emotions. Stop making excuses for the way you are and look for him to let that redemption begin to manifest in that emotional realm. And you'll be much happier. And here's a tip. So will the people around you. <laughs> we are redeemed from emotional poverty. Come on, shout it out. I am redeemed from emotional poverty. Poverty. <laughs> what does that mean? It means whatever we need to be victorious in this area, God's making available to us. But how do you know faith comes by hearing? And hearing by the Word of God. 
when it comes to this, oftentimes, well, I just feel the way I feel. And church after church and family after family going through this stuff, never realizing that just because, you know, just like they can have authority in the spirit realm and God heals the body, amen, he's also able to heal and restore the emotions. Unless you want to keep emotions as your identity. I'm the hurt one. I'm the betrayed one. I'm the one that got stabbed in the back. Some people are so attached to their emotional identity, they don't want to give it up to be redeemed in that area. Look at somebody and say, you got to give it up to go up. Come on, say it. You got to give it up to go up. How many like me, you want to go up? Glory to God. Amen. We've got to choose to cooperate with God's spirit and word. Submit our emotions so they can be redeemed and healed emotionally in terms of our, our functioning, in terms of our outlook, in terms of how we do things day to day, in terms of feeling things deeply, but having the power to say no when they try to get us to do something. Yes, amen. There are several types of emotional conditions, and some of these, of course, will be in this room. And the first category are damaged emotions. And these folks operate inappropriate for the situation. Escalation at the drop of a hat, and sometimes they'll drop the hat. Look at somebody and say, you don't want to be like that. How their emotions get damaged? Originally at the fall. But then life. Stupid things happening to them. Betrayals and hurts and abuses of all kinds. Now the devil would make some of those people try to think, well, you're just stuck that way. No, you're not. You are never stuck. Blood has been shed for you to be set free. So don't sit there in your damaged emotions and think about how they got that way and excuse yourself. Say, you know what? They, if they can damage it, Almighty God can repair it in Jesus' name. There is nothing that a man can do to you that God cannot and will not reverse. And I'm telling you that this is the last frontier for the victory of the child of God. Years ago, God spoke to my spirit and said, there are variables that affect your receiving that I haven't even revealed revelation about. They're in the book. You just don't have revelation about it yet. But I am in these last days revealing variables that affect your receiving. And I'm telling you prophetically today that emotional prosperity is one of those variables. It is faith. It is love. It is hope, but it is also you and I walking around out of emotional poverty and into what? Abundance and prosperity and emotions. But we cannot go around and say, I'm the damaged one. Isn't life terrible? It's so unfair. No, you were the damaged one in Jesus' name. The devil did his best, but his best wasn't good enough. You should be six feet under or in a gutter somewhere, but you're here and you're alive and you're victorious and you're overcoming. You're not what the devil says you are. Glory to God. Some are here with broken emotions. You're unable to feel. And because of that, your emotions aren't prosperous. You're just numb. You can't feel yourself and you can't be empathetic towards others. That's a dangerous place because that's what happens in terms of a people who are sociopaths who can kill and feel no sorrow whatsoever. Run over people and have no regret. If you're like that, that's just an alarm bell telling you that God can restore you. 
I'm telling you, God can take the hardest rascal here today and turn you into just a pile of mushy butter in Jesus' name if you'll let him do it. Unless you want to just be, I'm Mr. Hard. Nothing gets to me. You know what doesn't get to you? The fullness of his prosperity doesn't get to you. Holding on to your hardness. It's not a badge of courage. The courage is to let it down and let the Lord redeem that. And soften your heart, amen. Number three, suppressed emotions. Folks unable or unwilling to express. Those emotions are never expressed. A lot of us are in that category. We're not as expressive as other people. Can God do something about that? As long as we realize he wants us to function in an apex mode in every dimension of our lives. Say it with me, physically, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, in my will. We want to be good choosers and always choose what God wants for us. Glory to God. Damaged emotions, broken emotions, suppressed emotions. Number four, I don't think there's anybody like this, but I'll find out after I say it because they'll probably act out. Are you ready? (laughs) Histrionic emotions. Every day is a drama for these people. Every day it's something. That's just the way I am. I'm emotive. I'm sensitive. You're a basket case is what you are. You need healing in your emotions. And guess what? It's not just drama queens. That is a misogynistic, chauvinistic thing to say. When in my experience, I've run into more drama kings than queens. Some of you ladies say, yeah, I live on one. <laughs> Isn't that amazing that a, that a woman can give birth and a man gets a hangnail? <laughs> and that wife just looking at him like, really? Is that all you got? You don't know pain, brother. You don't know it. Uh, the Bible telling us that the woman is the weaker sex is not implying the inferior sex. Amen. Are you understanding? It's talking about spiritual covering and physical strength. In terms of emotional intelligence, I don't have to tell you this. If you're married, you know it. <laughs> and if you're not married, you better know it. <laughs> They're much more intuitive emotionally. They have a higher sensitivity in this area. At the same time, they need to transfer that into, I can feel deeply, but not let it make me do something. That's the key. And that's where the prosperous emotions come in. Amen. So if you, you tend to be a drama queen or a king, he's a redeemer of the emotions. That's just the way I am. No, it's not. It's the way you became because of the fall and because of life. But just like God can correct other things that have happened to you in life, he can do the same thing with your emotional deficit. I mean, you know, somebody walking around, you know, with their arm in a sling and on crutches, this is just the way I am. What fool says that? Don't you want to get rid of the crutches? Don't you want to take the cast off? 
Number five, controlling emotions. These are people that use their emotions to on purpose control others. Like, for example, the silent treatment. Now watch this. If, if you just stay still like this, nod your head and say amen, preacher. Nobody will know it's you. But if you start squirming, getting up, shuffling, we're going to know it's you. Sometimes it's a silent treatment. Sometimes it's just lambasting somebody. That's it, the way I am. No, you have slipped into the methodology of trying to control people with your outbursts, with your emotions, and got into that habit. But guess what? God can redeem that. Even Jesus got mad. Amen. But it did not determine what he did. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let me give you the emotion principle today. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26, the Bible says, Be angry and sin not. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. You can feel something strongly without responding inappropriately or sinfully. Be angry and what? Sin not. Sin not. We should not end the day under the control or lordship of some emotion. And that's what happens when we do that. James 1.20 says, Your anger does not produce God's righteousness. No emotion produces righteousness. No emotion produces a child of God living right. Not one. That's not what they're anointed to do. It's not just anger. You could fill in the blank in this principle because it's the same thing. It could say, be happy and sin not. Can I help you out here? Can I see the hand of every American citizen? You have been given a constitutional right of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The Constitution was right on two regards concerning Scripture. The Scripture affirms life and liberty, but it does not affirm happiness. Scripture affirms joy. I've seen a lot of people come off of God's path because they were mad, mad, mad. My brother-in-law Ben says they can just get glad in the same pants they got mad in. I've seen just as many come off the path in the pursuit of happiness. God just wants me to be happy. Say it with me. God just wants me to be happy. Now, don't you ever say that again. Because it's not true. Blessed, yes. Feel the joy, yes. But happiness is an emotion that should not be running your life. And many people destroyed families and careers, opportunities, pushing after, you know, happiness. It's not just anger. Be happy and sin not. Be sad and sin not. Be sorrowful and sin not. Be frustrated and sin not. Amen. Why? Because emotions do not produce the righteous or holy life that God wants. 
Amen? And when you do feel and then act on what you feel, you step out of the will of God every single time. For the emotion ruled feelings are the highest reality to them and authority. What I feel matters more than anything. No, what God says should matter more than anything to you. The biggest problem in the body of Christ, emotional poverty. Quick to get angry. Easily offended. Scapegoating and blaming others. Moody, discouraged and depressed all the time. Flaky, veering off course on the, on the drop of a hat. Indecisive and confused. Unteachable and uncorrectable. You can all can say amen anytime now if you want to. I feel alone up here. God, I feel like I'm just testifying. Y'all are looking at me right now. <laughs> oh, we'll pray for him. Pray for the pastor. Pray for the pastor. <laughs> you know, Brother Copeland said it so well. Let me tell you how preaching goes. God gets on me and I get on you. <laughs> Severing relationships. Well, I don't, you don't agree with me and you don't want to do what I do, so I just cut you off. I've seen this more times than I can you know, shake a stick at. What is that all about? That is emotional poverty. Emotional prosperity is God can fix that thing. God can cause us to walk in agreement, amen, and love each other. <laughs> Disobedience to God's plan. His plain teachings and his word. Controlling others with emotions. An atmosphere of drama about you. All these indicate that somebody has emotional poverty. Now let me tell you real quickly what one fit of flesh can do. Everybody say, one fit of flesh. Where you just give yourself permission just to uncork and let it fly. I've had all I can stands and I can't stands no more. I just quoted what? Popeye. Some of you think, did, did he just quote Popeye? <laughs> did yeah, I did. Say, I had all I can stands. And I can stands no more. We call it the Popeye doctrine. <laughs> One fit of flesh. Abraham had a fit of flesh and created Ishmael. You don't realize it, but scholars, Jewish and Islamic, tie the Arabs right now and Hamas, back to Ishmael. The nomadic peoples, amen. Joseph had to deal with them. Gideon had to deal with them. And we're still dealing with somebody's fit of flesh. We honor him as the father of faith. And we thank God that he gave us the example. And we thank God he obeyed God when God said, leave your nation and leave your people. And when God told him to offer up his son, we thank God for that. But the bottom line, in a fit of flesh, what was that? Fear, I won't have an heir. What a mess. I go into a lot of detail of this, but that's another message for another time. But I'm telling you, what you're dealing with in the West Bank right now, what you're dealing with in Gaza, what you're dealing with in, in northern Israel and southern Lebanon, what you're dealing with is wild donkey people because of a fit of the flesh. Well, I got to do so then Jesus will come back and defit him. <laughs> Chopping the heads of children off. Burning children. Raping grandmothers. And thinking you have moral equivalency to God's chosen people, 
Israel on her worst day does not do something like that. Make no mistake about it. And, you know, we teach the tithe and your church tithes. We support ministries and expand the gospel as a, as a ministry team, all of us together. And Tim has asked me about this. The week before Hamas came over that border and started rampaging, you had already sown another seed into the Jewish Christian Fellowship for the purposes of helping those very people. Amen? Number two, Moses had a fit of flesh in Psalm 106. He spoke rashly, and because of his fit of flesh, frustration, his feelings of frustration, he led those people through all that time, throughout the entire season, and never got to see the promised land. Look at somebody say, one fit of flesh. Saul had a fit of flesh and started throwing spears at David because he was jealous. He felt jealous, and he was stripped of his kingdom, and his family was destroyed because of his little fit of flesh. Uzziah the king had a fit of flesh and became leprous in the temple when he was told he's not permitted to offer incense. And immediately, because of his anger, his fit of flesh, projecting onto him his behavior, he became leprous white as snow. Can I tell you something? Listen carefully. Prophetically, a lot of people have sicknesses for the same reason. Your fits of flesh are hurting you physically. The rich young ruler is offered an apostolic call. And Jesus said, sell all your possessions, give them to the poor, come follow me. And the Bible says he went away sad. Say it with me. He went away sad. A fit of flesh cost him that. And there are scholars that speculate that this was John Mark and came back later. But we got to stick to what the Bible actually says. All we know is the rich young ruler went away Sad. Turn to somebody and go, that's sad. There's a man in Georgia who built a great, great Assemblies of God church years ago. I was in Savannah at the time. That church was running 1,500, 2,000 people. And I don't know what happened because I didn't want on the inside story, but one of the district officials told me that somehow the pastor and a, and a, and a deacon uh, had had some kind of a difficulty and in the middle of a sermon, he took off his size 12 shoe and threw it at the deacon. <laughs> I see a couple going like this right now. <laughs> I can't get these off real fast, so you're safe today, amen. <laughs> just, just took it and hurled at the guy. That was his last day in the pulpit. Look at somebody say, fit of flesh. Could he be angry, disappointed? Yes. Hurt? Yes. But can't he let that determine his actions? No. Amen. Kelly has a family member who has cut off their two kids because they voted for Trump. The son and the dad had a bet. Would Trump win or would Hillary win? And the son said, well, I believe that the Trump will win. When he did, the man paid up and said, I'm never going to talk to you again. Wow. Say it with me. Fit yes. of flesh. flesh. Well, pastor Christians don't act like that. Don't owe pastor me. <laughs> Over something so stupid. Yeah. 
hey, there's a neighborhood in this, in this county. It's being developed. And the person who actually helped develop it put septic system, tiles or lines on the property next door. And then because they couldn't come to a resolution, they've gone to war. And so the man that owned the development, because he wouldn't allow the man to, you know, to, yeah, you know, basically take over that property, that part of the property, decided he can't use the entrance into the subdivision. So the man, being an expert in excavation, built his own. And so then the owner decided he'd put a fence so he wouldn't have to look at this other guy. And so the other guy decided, I'll just finish the fence. None of them thinking, how is this going to affect the property values of all the numbskulls involved in that? Fit of flesh. You know what they used to do is just, they used to take two people together like that and just smack their heads together like that. Knock some sense into them. That's what you do to get a fit of flesh. Well, I sure told them all you did was just shoot off your own foot. Now it goes. Craziness. So how do you cultivate it? <laughs> how can I? Oh, please, Pastor, tell me. <laughs> how can I have prosperous emotions? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> Pastor, I just feel like repenting. Can we just do that first? Yes, we can. Amen. Anybody here ever have a fit of flesh? Yeah. Watch this. The further you go in the things of God and the further you go in leadership, further you go into the anointing, the less tolerance there is for a fit of flesh. That's the Bible. That's what the Word teaches on this thing. Okay, so let's say that uh, you're in the midst of something. Somebody does something. Somebody says something. Somebody doesn't do what you think they should do. Somebody doesn't say what you think they should say. Amen. Somebody hurts you. Somebody betrays you. You walk around with a knife in your back. You feel betrayed. You feel hurt. And now you're just about to give somebody the what for. <laughs> Number one. This is so deep. And yet very, very powerful. Pause. Pause. Stop. Walk away. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Understand you will either have prosperous emotions at that moment or you will yield to fit and do more damage than you can possibly imagine. Hey, even Jesus, the Bible says, withdrew to lonely places to pray. To pray about what? All the stupid people he met with that day. Mm -hmm. And if you've been in ministry longer than a year, not even that long. <laughs> I'm glad you got something out of this, Steve. <laughs> Look at somebody and say, stupid people. Raise your hand if you ever have to deal with stupid people. You pause. When you have poverty of emotions, you just react. You do. You step into it. 
You know, I'm just stepping up for myself. No, what you have to understand is see this from a spiritual perspective that you prospering in your life by having a prosperous soul, by having a prosperous mind and emotions is more important than you getting to say what you want to say. And if it really needs to be said, it'll be said the right way in the right tone at the right time. Tamlin, and some of you met her last week, five years old. She looks at my mom one time because she used to go up to spend time with him in Illinois and in Arizona. And when she's about five years old, she goes, she goes, Mima, they're on drugs. <laughs> they're all on drugs. <laughs> She wasn't wrong about that. <laughs> Pause to gain perspective and allow the Holy Spirit to help you to assess the situation that's trying to rob you of your peace and your victory. Pause. I know he wants to talk to me, but I got to deal with this. No, what you need to do is pause and find out what he's saying. He keep you from a world of hurt. One of my favorite Brother Puckett stories is over in, in, in Mayfield. He pastored, I guess, what, 48, 50 something years in a long time. <laughs> he said, he told me, he said, no, he goes, I'm going to help you with this. He goes, one time this guy came in to see me and he said, this is going on in the church and this person did this and that person did this and, and you need to get out there and take care of this pastor. You're the pastor. You need to handle this. And he just looked at him very calmly. He said, I'm your pastor. I love you. Would you trust me? To take care of this situation. Yeah, but this happened and you gotta get out there. You gotta take care of this. You gotta do this, something about this. He goes, Will you trust me as your pastor to take care of it? Yeah, but you gotta get out there and take care of this. Will you trust me? He finally said and he agreed, Yes, I'll trust you. And so by now I'm on the edge of my seat. <laughs> what did you do? What did you do? What did you do? Brother Puckett, what did you do? He said, Absolutely nothing. <laughs> because sometimes, guess what? Mm -hmm. Most of us are masters at not pausing. We are professional non-pausers. See how quiet it's getting in. <laughs> Does the scripture not say, you must understand this, my beloved, let everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak. Slow to become angry. Pause. I like to think of it like this. Quick to listen, slow to speak, and resistant to the control of emotions. A man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. Proverbs 25, 28. Easily broken into. What does that mean? You're vulnerable. Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes the city. Proverbs 18 or 16, 32. Proverbs 15, 18, a hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger quiets contention. Pause. Everybody shout it out. Say pause. 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 I'm having this image of somebody in some family here, some marriage, and you're getting into a tussle, and one of you look at them and go, pause. <laughs> and I can just see a left hook coming, you know. <laughs> I'll give you pause, bless God. Shout it out. Say pause. pause. Come on, say it loud. Say pause. What do you do in that moment? You pause. You're a spiritual people. You're not to run your life with your feelings. You're running by the leadership of the Holy Ghost and by the Word of God. So give Him a chance to intervene. Are you here? Number two, pinpoint. Pinpoint what? 
the exact emotion you're dealing with by the Spirit of God and why? Because sometimes it looks like anger, but it's not. It's really fear. Sometimes it looks like frustration. It's not. It's insecurity. Let the Holy Ghost minister to you. Is it fear, insecurity, jealousy, anger? Is it sadness in your life? A lot of people are driven by insecurity. Somebody appears not to like you and there's no good reason for it. Can I tell you why? Because they're doing a little comparison and they feel insecure. So they're projecting that onto you. It may come off as anger, but in reality, guess what? They just feel bad about themselves and their situation. This is where God-inspired emotional prosperity comes in. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God. That give it to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given. How many believe he'll answer your prayer? Yes. Lord, I need you to pinpoint exactly the emotion I have right now. Because he'll be honest with you. <laughs> Say, too honest. Pray for the insight. Say, insight. insight. Right demeanor. Say, right demeanor. Right demeanor. Say, right response. Right response. Insight, insight, demeanor, demeanor. and response. response. Are you here? Amen. He'll give it to you. I, uh, I had a leader one time that, uh, you know, didn't like some of the things and way we do things around here. And so he kind of got put out and eventually he just uh, slipped on through the door. And, and uh, I didn't like what he did or how he did it. And I was just hoping he'd come back so I could throw a shoe at him. No, I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> and so one day I'm like, Lord, uh, you know, and it seemed like every time I was about to get five minutes with this guy, look at somebody say just five minutes. How long does it take to compromise your promotion, your anointing, your victory, your joy? I said, how long does it take? A fit of flesh. See, the pastor wouldn't have a fit of flesh. I know, I'm so sanctified. And <laughs> but I'm like, Lord, I just wanted five minutes with a guy. And I am telling you, about a half a dozen times when we crossed paths, it just could not happen. And this happened over and over and over and over again. Look at somebody say, over again. Over again. So finally, I, I did a smart thing. Pinpoint. <laughs> Ask. And that's what he said. I said to him, I said, Lord, it seems to me, anytime you start out, I can get ready to get both barrels. <laughs> it seems to me that you're just protecting that guy from me. And what the Lord said is, no, I'm not protecting that guy from you. I'm protecting you from you. <laughs> Selah. Uh-huh. Because see, we, we tell ourselves it's justified to have a fit of flesh. Uh, they got it coming. Well, they might have it coming. But if you want to walk in emotional prosperity and prosperous soul, you're going to have to let the Spirit of God and the Word of God guide you. Feel what you feel. I didn't feel any less the consequences of things like that. But it's one thing to feel it. 
It's another thing to obey that emotion and act on it. That's, That's the difference for us. Yes. If any of you lack wisdom, look at somebody and say, if any of you lack wisdom. <laughs> if you don't know, guess what? He'll tell you. Say it with me. Pause. Pause. Pinpoint. Pinpoint. Number three, pivot. Respond. Not react by doing what you're being prompted to do. And like the story with Brother Puckett, sometimes that means nothing. If I don't do it, who's going to? Uh, Maybe God can. (laughs) He is all-powerful, all-knowing, almighty. You're not. Amen. He's most high. You're not. Pivot away from feelings into the direction of the Spirit of God. Walk in the Spirit and not in the flesh. We're dealing with part of your flesh here. And by the way, that's not a suggestion. That's a command of God. First Samuel 30, verse 6. David was distressed when he came back to Ziklag and found everything burned. Family's gone. All their possessions gone. Immediately the men of God that came to him voluntarily to be a captain over their lives began to turn on him and bitterness wanted to stone him. What David does at that moment is critical. And what did he do, the Bible says? He encouraged himself or found strength in the Lord. He was greatly distressed because, now watch this, greatly distressed. What? He was feeling something. Feeling what? Betrayed, hurt, despised. He also lost everything. But now he's lost the loyalty of the men that came to him. He's feeling distressed. Say it, distressed. Because the men were talking and stumbling him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of the sons and daughters. But David found strength in the Lord his God. What if he had reacted? Ship his saddle home. It's over. See, those men represent a kind of, you know, worldly person out there. David represents a spiritual person. And you and I can't go around acting like the rest of the world. Amen. Don't let any person's emotion rule push you into doing or saying anything. Amen. What do you do? You pivot. This is the way I would have handled it, but I'm going to go this way with it. I was about to give them both barrels, but I decided to uncock the gun. Amen. And put it away for the glory of God. So what you going to do next time you're all uptight? I'm going to look for a shoe, preacher, because you mentioned seeing. You say, would people actually walk out here thinking you were serious about that? I'm telling you, people pick up things piecemeal. I heard something about a pastor and a deacon in a shoe. I'm going to try it. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to pause. Say it. I'm going to pause. I'm going to watch the Holy Spirit and the Word of God talk to me. I mean, is the world going to come to an end if you don't respond immediately? No. Say it. I'm going to pause. I'm going to pinpoint. And I'm going to pivot. And say, so if I do this like one time, am I good? Is it over? I just check that box off. No, it's going to happen to you. Over and over and over again. But you are mastering the principles to walk in emotions that are prosperous.
Shout this out. I've been redeemed from poverty of emotions. Come on, say it boldly. I've been redeemed. Stand your feet and say it. I've been redeemed. I've been redeemed from poverty of emotions. Amen. Now we get to repent. Let's go ahead and bow your heads for just a moment.